You're listening to the Two Minute Time Lord, 120 seconds of concentrated commentary, because we're all in a hurry. Hi, this is Chip Sutterth, and this is 2MTL, episode number 362, reviewing In the Forest of the Night. Well, give In the Forest of the Night credit. It's ambitious and a very strong departure from so-called typical Doctor Who. The Earth faces a crisis of physics, not villainy. No monsters, no antagonists at all, in fact, just a mystery. In the end, the big scary thing that happens to the Earth turns out to be a kind of divine intervention. You know, Kill the Moon hit some of these same notes. But this episode is even more notable in making the Doctor and his companions observers, or at best, peripheral participants, in the action at hand. But in the end, In the Forest of the Night simply didn't work for me, thanks to an accumulation of issues that the episode could have overcome on their own, but together had me shaking my head in disbelief. First, the pacing. In Doctor Who Extra, Stephen Moffat describes this as a lyrical and beautiful story, and I'll buy that. Take the generally more measured pace of Series 8, and add to that the forest setting, and you have a gorgeously shot, largely unhurried episode. Now this sort of thing can drag unless the story has an adequate source of tension. And that brings me to my second concern. We spend a lot of time in the episode searching for an antagonist, only to find, with plenty of time left to go, that there really isn't one. The here, the firefly spore plant people, create an unnerving worldwide transformation, but even before we realize that they're here to save the Earth, there's almost nothing for our cast to stand against. Just a couple of wolves, a photosensitive tiger, and a coincidentally timed falling statue. No Vashta Narada skeletons, no misguided soldiers, not even a door locked by a Beatles trivia question. Okay, that's fine, as long as the environmental crisis provides tension. But wait, here's number three. The sudden afforestation of London is unnatural, but it's too visually benign to create a sense of real dread. It's a puzzle, not a threat. Plus, the second we see that the new plants are impervious to heat, we know exactly how this episode is going to end. But that's okay, as long as we get some good character development from our cast in the process, right? Except, number four, not only do we get a mixed bag of performances from the children in today's cast, but the Doctor and Clara are behaving entirely unlike themselves from just a few episodes ago. The Doctor professes that the Earth is as much his as Clara's, when he absented himself from Kill the Moon with the exact opposite rationale. Even more unbelievably, Clara condemns the students under her and Danny's care to a possible death, not using the TARDIS as a lifeboat, in complete violation of her own previously professed duty of care, because she believes the children will spend the rest of their lives missing their parents? Even if I could buy it, I'd rather she'd emulated Donna Noble in the fires of Pompeii. If you can overlook or explain some of these facets, I imagine you found it much easier to appreciate In the Forest of the Night than I did. Instead, this was my least favorite of Series 8. Too slow, too inconsistent, and too unsurprising. A rough comedown after the brilliance of the previous two episodes. Just two more episodes to go. The finale is upon us. 
In the meantime, previous episodes are available at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, wherever good podcasts are found, as well as mine. I'm on social media. Look for numeral two-minute Time Lord, and I'll talk to you again next week.